Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money. We like that. All in one place for totally free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your cellular telephone or your computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else, those other places that podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify, and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&As and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free. Zero catch. We've been using it ever since we started How Long Gone. And ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like having the option of turning off the Q&As and the polls on the user dashboard (laughs) has really helped uh, boost my creativity and take it to another level. I highly recommend giving it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Hello. Oh, what up, TJ? What is up? Um, you know, just we took a few few days off the pod. I mean, I felt like uh, you know it was probably the right thing to do. People had uh, more important things to pay attention to, and and still do. Don't get me wrong. Um, and still do but, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, I was thinking about it. You know, today is Tuesday. There is a kind of a, a blackout for posting on social media for anything that isn't you know helpful to the cause and the movement um but i think that it's important for you know leaders of all sizes to still you know go out there and share our thoughts because we don't really have a way to do that and to connect with people we don't have a leader we have a terrible president that's not helping anything at all. We're we're not getting any. You know, people just need that, to be around other people who have uh, you know like minded thoughts. No, I agree, and I also don't think that that social media is even the best place for talking to people that you agree with. <laughs> so <laughs> that is uh, that is yeah, that's a whole other thing. Um, you know what I mean? So, but I am I am um, back in New York, mm-hmm. uh, which which is a. Um, very different environment than the one that I was in. Yeah, America and Canada going through two different two different waves yes. right now. Yes, similar uh, yet different. Um, at the you know the protest in Montreal was obviously like very measured, no violence, no looting. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, just a very different experience. Not that not that they lacked passion. I just you know that's just a, it's a different approach. Canadian. That's all you have it's, to say. It, it, yeah, it's Canadian, honestly. Um, but being back here, even for less than 24 hours, um, it feels pretty diabolical. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> just the, the, the overall atmosphere is, is bad. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I don't know. It's like overcast, too. The whole, the whole thing is just sirens and helicopters and, you know, yeah. everything's, bo- everything's boarded up. Um, I've definitely, I've lived here, I guess, 11 years now. I've never seen anything like this before. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. And, uh, you know, a Chanel store is not that big of a deal uh, in the scheme of things. Hey, I agree. I've been trying to tell that to my girlfriend all week. 
<laughs> but I don't know. You know, I, I guess something that's confusing me just a little bit is is that the the you know I just talked about this with some other people, but the you know what obviously we know what the goals are to some extent. You know what I mean? Um, but mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I'm at least personally confused on who the leader is of this. Like, where do we look for this stuff? This information? Um, yeah, because. You, you know, and I, I don't, I, I don't have an answer, but it just seems like that is something that it, it's, it's running pretty wild and there's so many sources. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, a lot of those are on social media, which, which you, you know, take with a grain of salt, depending on what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I or just, at least I, you I, hopefully I, take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know. I just, well, I, I don't, th- I think, um, you know, that's also something that I was thinking about recently. Um, you know, like my girlfriend and I were, were talking yesterday and I was saying like, this is the type of, this is the time where, you know, an Obama speech would really help everybody right now. Um, I don't think, yeah, I mean, and we or, don't have any, any leader, you know, who's, who's able to speak to us with that, you know, with that much power to it, you know, it's not going to fix everything, but it will at least just sort of, you know, to put everyone's mind at ease so they can sleep one night. I just think people need, I mean, I think it's nice to hear from something bigger than you that agrees with you. You know what I mean? Something or someone that feels, um, you know, obviously this, this movement, this protest is a lot about authority, but I think police authority and, and leadership are two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So it, so it's like, I think that hearing from someone, um, I mean, the New York times came and write a fucking headline, right? You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It's like, this is, yeah. it's, it's, it just seems like there's some things that, that at least to me as a, as a, you know, relatively informed person, there's some things that could be said and could be done that could at least, at least, like you said, ease people's minds or even bring people together because, mm-hmm. because I, th- I think right now, um, even, you know, people agree, uh, in some regard, but I don't know if they fully understand what they're agreeing with, you know, yeah. or, or what the, or, or not even that, maybe what the eventual outcome should be, maybe is the, is the right phrasing. Mm-hmm. I think, I think a little bit of that is, is, I mean, a, a large reason for that is this thing, you know, it was a long time coming, but it really kind of, the, the, the switch flipped very quickly and everyone is sort of organizing and scrambling and, and figuring out what to do. And there is not really a leader. And is, everyone is sort of organizing and taking taking the voice, you know, into their own hands for, you know, for everything. You know, the way everyone has sort of, you know, abolished television and, and news, you know, people, I, I guess, of our younger generation. And, you know, are using their own platforms to become, you know, their own forms of leaders um you know and just like our 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 podcast just like many other podcasts or you know everyone else's media outlet no matter what you do a a zine or an instagram page or a podcast or a youtube series whatever it is i think that you know we are going to have to be our own leaders to guide our own types of people um you know the people that listen to this show you know we we don't have a massive following but we have thousands and thousands of people who listen to the show thankfully and you know a lot of those people don't need our help or our voice but some some of them might and they can use us as an example of how to hopefully you know be a better person and and change the world into a better place 
I, I mean, no, of course, I agree with you 100%. And I, I think that that's the, that I think is something I've learned uh, this week is that, you know, um, social media for me is something that I, I don't take that seriously, although I, I recognize now that it's, it's you know, it, mm-hmm. there are people listening. Um, yeah. And it, it when it benefits me, you know, I, I, I'm not directly making money off it, but I'm definitely making money off of off of what it means in some regard. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be irresponsible of me, you know, not to say something in a situation like this. The same way it would be irresponsible for us not to not, not to use this podcast to at least spread some some sort of, mm-hmm. you know, um, conversation about what's going on. And, yeah. and I think that the I think that the fear of of. Um, you know, saying the wrong thing or like I'm white, who cares? I think that stuff is, is obviously real feelings for you and I. Um, but the greater good, uh, should, you know, shadow yeah. that. The fear, you know, the, the fear of posting something online that is taken, you know, that is, you know, insensitive or, you know, taken the wrong way. Or, you know, if you, if you meant no harm by it, but you have hurt people by posting that, that really does, you know, steer people away from, you know, taking the risk of, of sharing their thoughts online because, you know, it could really affect their life. They could, it could affect their money. It could affect their, their social media following their, you know, they could become canceled. I mean, and that's the thing is like saying dumb shit that could affect me doesn't scare me. So why does saying important shit scare Mm -hmm. me? You know what I mean? That doesn't really, that, that doesn't equate in, in the way that it should. Mm-hmm. for me and that's kind of the thing that i recognized when i was thinking about this more well you know we're all we're all adjusting our lives in in our own ways and they're all different and some of them are harder than others some of them are easier than others but you know it really does boil down to having you know empathy for people who really do have those fears for some people that's a very hard fear to overcome because they could have, you know, worked so hard to build up whatever it is they've done and they could ruin it all by posting the wrong thing or saying the wrong message or whatever it is, even if they mean well. And, you know, as long as we just create an environment where people are educated and, and corrected in a, in a healthy way versus shunned and canceled and screenshotted and, you know, ridiculed online because they, didn't share enough money on a donation post or whatever it is, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a good way to get out your aggression for the day to talk shit on Virgil for not posting enough money. But in the grand scheme of things, we obviously know that, that Virgil has a lot of money and he will probably donate more money than all of us. And he cares. And that's, you know, it's, it's dumb to just focus on that for 24 hours when you could have used that 24 hours to, change the minds of a bunch of your racist friends and family that you have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, it's very true. It's very true. Um, we do have a guest today. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, who you, you actually know a little bit, I believe, but Elise Lonin is her name. Um, she's the chief content officer at goop. Um, she co-hosts the podcast and she was also on goop lab, the, the Netflix show. Mm-hmm. Um, she put up an episode of her podcast yesterday um, that that has been getting some attention. I think she tackled some of these issues, um, and I, I think she's just a very smart woman and, and can offer us some insight to this. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's give her a buzz. Hey, Jason. We all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on. 
you're eating at restaurants you don't want to eat at all the time to appease myself and others. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to your health, health, there's no compromise. So don't go back to that one doctor who used your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines, their family group chat, their crossword puzzles, just because they're available right now or because they take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance. So literally no compromises here because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors very close to you and instantly book appointments with them online. Just like when I'm looking for new shoes on my sites, you can filter specifically, see which doctors take your insurance Located near you, maybe find a doctor that's far away from you for personal reasons you don't want to disclose. I use ZocDoc, and you should too. Go to ZocDoc.com slash HowLong and download ZocDoc for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash HowLong. ZocDoc.com slash HowLong. How Long Gone is brought to you by Nutrafol. As you know, you know, hair thinning is quite complicated. Like your skin, hair is a reflection of your health, Uh-oh. and internal factors can impact the way your hair looks, feels, and most importantly, grows. Nutrafol's whole-body approach multi-targets underlying root causes like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrient gaps for visibly thicker, stronger hair. Go ahead, give it a tug. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth suppy with over 1 million people seeking thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair. With considerably less shedding. Thank God. Take the first step <laughs> to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code HOWLONG, all one word. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists and professional stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L. I got RAF on the nut. <laughs> dot com promo code how long. That's Nutrafol.com promo code how long. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. One in five Americans uh, have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off your list with Babbel. Chris and I are going to the country of Georgia in a month or so, and they have a very unique language. And I will be using Babbel to try and just get a little bit of action so I can know how to order my uh, cold, my cold brew lattes and things like that in a way uh, that's actually science-based Don't spend hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Use Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons. They're handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new lingo in as little as three weeks. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash how long. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash how long, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L, dot com slash how long rules and restrictions may apply Babel. hi how are you good how are you hi. oh you know <sighs> what a day what a uh, week what a month yeah yeah mm. you, we could we could we could go on uh 
No, so I mean, how how were you feeling in general? Jason and I, um, uh, you know, we we talked about obviously, you know, what's going on um, in, in our little intro. But I, I I think part of the reason we're happy that this time it worked out with you is that you are a fellow white person who can actually offer something uh, intelligent here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I hope. No, 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 no pressure. I, I, maybe, maybe assumption makes an ass of you and me. The, um, the bar, the bar for intelligence on this podcast is already set pretty low. So you should be, should be more than fine. But you, um, Chris, Chris was saying that you, you guys posted a goop podcast yesterday, sort of covering some of this as well. Yeah. We sent a newsletter, um, and that just a black lives matter newsletter and posted resources. And then we've done, you know, of course, never enough. We've done a fair amount on white privilege. Obviously our, our listeners are um, predominantly white and female. And we certainly have a lot of, you know, if you look at our Instagram posts, we certainly have a lot of people who are responding, all lives matter. So mm. we have those <sighs> those women, certainly not all of our readers, but some percentage of our readers are not understanding the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously that's deeply traumatizing to black people and our black employees and minority employees. And so it's our, it's my job. It's Gwyneth's job. It's, you know, other white editors jobs on our team to, uh, to get those women on the bus. And, you know, it's really not the job of our, you know, black employees to have to argue with, Mm -hmm. with those women about why black lives matter as well. It's, it's, it's my job. You know, I think white people, we need to be responsible for white people here. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that's the work that we're trying to do. Yeah, and I think that's exactly the work that you guys should be doing, you know. It's the perfect job for you guys. You have you have a huge platform of women who, you know, most of them are very amazing, intelligent, um and hot women, but <laughs> you know, there's always some people who don't get it and you know, it's it's our responsibility to educate them instead of just shunning them or saying, you know, fuck you, unfollow me if you don't like this shit. Exactly. Like, we can't, we, it's a completely, that is a completely appropriate response mm-hmm. from every person of color on Instagram. It is not an appropriate response from us. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, us being a brand that is largely identified as being white. Um, so it's it's we can't we can't we can't condone that but we can't shut it down and the Mm. only way to sort of get everyone on the same page is through consistent and ongoing conversation and similarly like you know i'm i'm grateful that we are a brand that believes wellness needs to extend to everyone and that our future needs to be built on equality Mm. and so we have been this isn't our first time addressing these topics, but it's like, it just has to be something that we do in an ongoing way. And it will be disappointing, you know, if brands and white people who are paying attention this week kind of forget about it and go back to, you know, quote unquote business as normal, because we're just, we're so far past that, you know? (sighs) I I mean, I think that is a, something to be concerned about. I, I wonder if it's possible. I think for a lot of people, this is maybe, 
the the you know uh, biggest moment they've seen of something like yeah. this. Um, but I, I do think it's easy for all of us to slip back into old patterns because it's comfortable. Um, yeah. And it's the way the system was built. It's systemic, you know, and I think that for a lot of the people who do not understand the white people who do not understand, you know, the, if they were to explore or go deep into their bodies to understand why they're triggered by this, it's because they're terrified Mm -hmm. of losing the safety and security that they've had, you know, and the accrual of wealth that they've had for centuries. And I get it. That's terrifying. That's what privilege is. It's, it's acknowledging that it's time that we set that down and, you know, not to, it sounds trite when someone like me says it, but we we can't all be, we can't all be free until everyone is free. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's the dismantling of that. And, and for a lot of people, the power money that we've accrued through privilege it, and, and, and then being able to, to say, I get that I didn't, I didn't create this system, but I've certainly benefited from the system. It's my responsibility to dismantle the system. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think but, we're all, I mean, you, you may be more than, than us, but I mean, you have the opportunity to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you actually have a platform where people care and want to, to hear from you. And I think that, you know, um, Chris, we have a platform too. It's we do have a platform. The few, <laughs> the proud compared yes. to Goop, but you know, it's just, a, just a, like Goop, you know, we, we do have, I don't know what our demographic numbers are on this show, but I'm sure there are a lot of white males on, on, on board and they need guidance. Some I of mean, them, yeah. some of them are fucking up and we need to be there to tell them you're fucking up. No, it's true. Yeah. Because and I, they'll I listen think- to us. I, well, that's the thing that we've struggled with, Elise. I think is that this podcast is kind of, you know, it's funny. That's the point. It's it's not <laughs> it's not serious. We're not under under uh, normal circumstances. This is not the daily. We're not trying to tackle the world's great issues. Um, but you know, Jason and I have come to terms with the fact that it's like, well, this is an important moment, and we do have people listening, so we should talk about it. And um, I don't know. It was an interesting. I, I you know, it was a little bit of a struggle for me, to be honest. Um, yeah. And, uh, but, but like you're saying, I mean, there's, there's no question that I, a, a 37 year old white upper middle class male from a, a two parent household has benefited for my entire life. Um, yeah. and not that I didn't recognize that before, but I think it's, um, you know, uh, coming, admitting what that gives you, um, is different than understanding that it, that it exists. Yes, exactly. And then understand being willing to say, I get that, that, you know, my kid, you know, I was, I've been talking about this a lot on my own Instagram. I have two boys, um, seven and, and four. And, you know, there's a lot of consternation among parents about kids falling behind, et cetera. And I'm like, let my child fall behind. He is a white privileged boy who goes to a private school. And I'm not super concerned about his ability to compete when there are kids across the country who don't have internet access and don't have computers and have been completely at sea for the past several months, like let my kid read below grade point average, you know, like that my son is not the child that I need Mm -hmm. to worry about. It's, it's the fact that he's going to continue to excel Mm -hmm. in, uh, in a world that is, yeah. And this is, it's so complex, you know, education, environment, um, 
housing, like every single factor of our system is fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like having a child, um, and mercifully Jason, and I don't have any, um, but I, I, I think, I think <laughs> that I, you know of, I, that, that, that I know of that's, thank you for that. That's um, directed more to me than Chris, but sure. <laughs> yeah. But I do think that that puts the whole, I mean, I think that even when we've been doing this podcast during the quarantine, I think that child rearing has been a big topic when, when the guest has a child, because I think it really changes things. Um, in every way, but with this, especially there's, there's, you know, a whole, it, it brings a whole nother level to this shit. Um, yeah. and, and I, I think that, that I'm sure you're exposed to some parents who are only concerned about their child's reading level and not, yeah. and not, you know, on the, that concerned about the rest of it. Yeah. I don't even know that it's like that it's that people aren't concerned about, but I think that they get so freaked out about their own safety and their and their child's safety and this uncertain world that was always has been uncertain and now feels more uncertain Mm -hmm. that it's just like people can't move themselves out of that space. And not that, not that these people deserve our compassion. I think that that's where it comes from. It's not out of hate. It's about in-group love. You know, it's about like, I, it's about prioritizing the people in their life and feeling like they have nothing that they can't lift their gaze from that. But, but yeah. And I think that white parents in particular, it's like, we have been trained and, and white people in general, there is, people are taught that race is a shameful thing to talk about, which is fucking weird. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. so what's like, it's like wasps and money. You just don't do it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but it's what it has done is create this strange cultural effect where it's like, don't that like if you're at a store and it's full of white people and there's a black person on the ground having a heart attack, most likely the people are going to be like the, the man in the purple shirt or the man mm-hmm. in, you know, mm-hmm. it's like the black man is having a heart attack. We cannot bring ourselves to even say that because I think we are raised on this myth of colorblind. I don't see color. Race is, doesn't matter. We're mm-hmm. all humans. And sure, that is all true, but not the way that we have been taught because we have been taught to sublimate, sublimate all of these hard conversations and pretend like it didn't happen. And so we're raising our kids to be completely ill-equipped to talk about these things. And the research is staggering in terms of when you give groups of kids, um, it's like fourth and fifth graders, you give them, uh, you either teach them how to be colorblind, where it's like race doesn't matter, we're all the same, etc. Or you say some of us are different, we have different skin tones, we have different backgrounds, we come from different countries, we have different languages and cultures. And it's really important to understand that and ask for story and respect Mm -hmm. our differences. And then you show those groups of kids a video of a black child being tripped on a soccer field. And the color, I think it's 50% of the colorblind kids say that's, and it's overtly he's overtly sort of bullied and targeted in this video. 50% of the kids in the colorblind group say that's discriminate, like that's discrimination and that's a big problem. And 80% of the kids in the other group who are taught to notice and respect difference um, flag it as discriminatory. So it's like, we're Mm -hmm. just seeding this in our children by refusing to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And it's it's the opposite of uh, the opposite of normalizing the discussion about race. 
Yeah. If we're exactly. if, if no one's communicating anything about it at all, nothing is going to improve at all. Exactly. Like we're just pretend we're sublimating the problem and like we need to get it out, air it out, address the trauma um, and get comfortable with having these hard conversations and get comfortable with the fact that we don't know what to say or do. And when we don't know what to say or do, we need to go to our white friends who are, you know, getting educated, reading books, examining this in their own lives, and they can point the way mm-hmm. or go to, you know, black educators pay for their classes, pay for their books, follow their list of resources and do the work. You can't ask them directly, like do not DM them and say like, where do I start? Mm -hmm. Do the work first, like do the work. They've they've laid it all out. Yeah. It's there to be found. I think is what, you know what I mean? I think that, I think that that is, Let, let me Google that for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that the, the assumption that you're able to lean on, uh, black friends or or black people in general during this time is really fucked. Like that is just not, that is not the, like, I'm not going to bang your line and ask what I can learn from you right now. That is not Mm. the, that is not the appropriate response to what is going on. Um, and, and like you said, I mean, the information is readily available. So it's, it's, um, uh, it's, it's not hard to find and then digest, (laughs) you know, it's, it's just not that complicated. Um, but I mean, so I was in, um, I was in Canada for most of the quarantine. Um, and I returned back to New York last night and the shit is wild. <laughs> um, it just, I, I, did you live in New York for a time? Yeah, I lived in New York for almost 10 years. I've been in LA for almost 10 years as well, but I lived in New York right after college. Um, and yeah, I can't imagine being in New York during COVID or now this, um, it's, what um, was it, what it's, was it like? it's just, I mean, I, and I talked a little bit to Jason about this earlier, but it's just kind of like, um, you know, the stuff you're seeing on Instagram and shit, like, obviously, you know, I got back yesterday afternoon and this morning I went for a run to kind of see what was going on. You know, there's not cars on fire, um, middle of the day, but it does feel, it just feels bad. Did you know yeah. that it just feels bad for lack of a better term? Um, I think that it's, I think the COVID thing started it, but it feels a little zombie land and eerie. And, and now I think that with everything boarded up and, and just people on edge, I think it feels extra um, volatile. Um, But I I don't, uh, I, you know, and, and I just, I saw the guys downstairs um, at mass books. I I live above this bookstore and I talked to these guys for a little while and, and they've been here the whole time. And, and, you know, I think what we talked about and what I would love to talk to you about is like, what, what do you think is, what do you think is next? Like, where, where do we go from here? Like, what does this, obviously we, we don't have much leadership. Um, and it's, it's a little bit, it it feels a little bit, um, directionless in a lot of ways. Um, so it's like, what, what, what is the end game? Like, what is the result that we want? You know? Yeah. Well, I think that the most important, one of the most important things to remember is that everyone wants peace. And in the same way that people who are feeling threatened by the looting or this idea of violence in our neighborhoods, like this is what black communities feel like every day, right? So Mm -hmm. first of all, I think it's this understanding of like, we all want peace and again, I go, we, we, none of us can have peace until we all have peace. So how do we get there? Um, then I think, you know, 
I'm following organizations like there's again, so many issues. There's like, how do you address um, the rampant segregation in our neighborhoods that then informs the makeup of our schools and the funding of our school. Like there's so many systemic issues um, that we have to undo one by one and address uh, fence line communities, minority communities are, are typically like all of our toxic waste, all of our landfills, that's where it all goes. Mm-hmm. Those kids are being, you know, poisoned, um, which addresses sort of this IQ gap. We also have, we have got to fix that. Um, then we have sort of this issue of defund the police and just sort of the, what's, what's happening there. And that's where I think we'll probably start based on where we are in the I protests. Was the, yeah. I was going to say, I think that the defund police thing is, is probably the most, um, I feel like people could wrap their heads around that a little more. Um, yeah. You know what I mean, but but the issue, yeah. the issues of unions and the money involved and the protection that goes on is is pretty gigantic. Um, yeah. And I, I I wonder how you really chip away with that um, yeah. now. You know, like I, I I don't know how you start. Well, the good thing about it, and I don't know if you guys know Dre McKesson or Campaign Zero or their work, which is that for, for five years they've been publishing. It's really hard to get this information, but the publishing stats about police violence in the 100 biggest cities in the country. And um, they are, they're about to start a big campaign called, I think, Eight Can't Wait. I don't think they've launched it yet, but the idea that so this is often a local level. It can be solved on a local level, which is why it's so imperative that people vote in all of their elections, because that's where the police, the funding of the police comes from. That's where um, the DAs are elected, et cetera. So, and that's where all of these courts, like one of the things that's happened in this wash from conservative America is they've been taking over courts all over the country quietly. And that's where all of these incredibly aggressive sentences are put on black men, et cetera, for minor, minor infractions. So this is a staggering statistic I learned yesterday. 5% of crime is violent. Just 5%. That's that's actually fucking crazy. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, we have, what what we have now is the militarized police. And like in the instance of um, George Floyd, for example, though that was a totally fucking bizarre you know, knee on neck, but like in, I think it's like 80% of cities, it is legal to put someone in a chokehold or stranglehold. It's illegal for the police to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and many police in many cities, it's, it's legal. It, it's allowed for them to escalate to, to deadly force without trying other interventions first. In some cities, they're allowed to shoot at moving cars, which can be incredibly dangerous for bystanders and for mm-hmm. innocent people, etc. So there are all these things that, that, that gov- uh, mayors can shut down without any legislation. They can do it overnight by making those things not allowed. And then that allows DAs to prosecute. But none of these police officers are ever held accountable because they're operating within like the police Bible. They're doing things that are allowed. And, and they're so, protecting each other with the broken. And then they, yeah. And then they're protected because they can't say, well, he can't do that because it's allowed. So I mean, they're just uh, reco- yeah, yeah. It's, it's fucked. I mean, I think that 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 especially is. I mean, you know, 
a lot of the reason these guys, even if they do get 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 charged, they get off is because I mean these these unions are so well funded. I mean they're paying you know the lawyers are some of the highest paid and highest powered in the world. Um, yeah, and and it's 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 you know it's just that if the system is rigged, then they will win. Uh, it's it's a very simple equation, really. Um, yeah, but we but, can we can vote. We can we can vote on a local level. So many of us skip local elections and don't get educated about who these people are, and we can put an incredible amount of pressure on our mayors um, and, you know, campaign, I strongly encourage everyone to look at campaign zero. It's staggering. There's just, and then it's just, it's bias training. It's like understanding. I can't remember what DeRay told me yesterday, but like we all have this idea in our heads about um, police approaching a parked car and how dangerous that is. Right. It's in every movie, yeah. but that they're going to get shot. I think that they they that was based on early like bad research and now it's become part of our consciousness but the reality is it's like 1 in 6 million Yeah, instances. I mean yeah, yeah, I mean that's a that's a staggering you're right that's a fucked it's up a number. It's staggering that's but like, so much of this police violence is like around pulling people over and then approaching them with fear and trepidation but it's like not based on reality and we propagate that myth. No, I mean that's that's been I mean that's ingrained in our psyche from movies and television yeah. and and i mean even you know like i watched a lot of cops on tv growing up like that's that's every totally. scene that's every yeah. scene is that that kind of scenario where it's a approaching the door hands out the window you know all that shit um, exactly and then when we talk about defunding the police and people are like oh my god are you crazy like they're they're holding the line the reality is there is just not very much violence and no i mean these guys these guys charged no these yeah. guys are fucking they look like they're going to war i mean yeah. they have three thousand dollars worth of fucking tactical gear on like you know they're in fallujah and it's just yes. not it, it's not i mean you know it's not necessary obviously but i also think that that it's um that kind of uh, that just gives you an an um an inflated sense of power and ego. You you, yes. you, know, you know what I mean? It, it's um, and an inflated sense of danger. It's terrifying. I mean, think about the people's cortisol levels when they're engaging with like on both sides. Like, think about how charged that is. No, for sure. I mean, absolutely. But I, I just the, the access to that and the way these guys look is just. I mean, it's crazy. And I think that unfortunately, I think that's why a lot of these cops get into it to begin with. You know, yeah. they they're, they fetishize that whole shit, you know, that whole thing about the, obviously the power, but also like all the toys that come with it. Um, yeah. But like even and, I, I had no idea what a rubber bullet really meant until this week, yeah. um, which has really blown my fucking mind. Like I, I assumed a rubber bullet was the size of a bullet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's a, yeah. because of the name. Um, you know, when I saw a picture of rubber bullet and the shit is as big as a credit card. You know, and yeah. thick like a Coke can. Like it, it's it it blew my mind. I had no idea what that was. I still think a lot of people don't really realize what that is. Yeah, I mean, it is crazy. But I think that when you know we're talking about three thousand dollars worth of gear, and yet teachers in public schools across the country have to pay for their own school supplies for students. It's like, where are our priorities, and how are we not addressing all of this stuff upstream? You know, no, it's I mean, like. It's that part of it too has been very eye opening. I think just also post COVID uh, because you know there was so, so much trouble with getting you know pretty basic medical supplies for for frontline workers. And again, you see these guys roll out in tanks with three thousand dollars worth of gear on, and you're like, well, 
what? Like, I don't, this yeah. doesn't really, this doesn't compute, you know? And I think that that kind of stuff, I, I think that's a little easier to understand for people like a layman, um, yeah. you know, that, that doesn't get into crazy policy or government or vote. You know what I mean? It's a pretty baseline understanding like of, of where money is being distributed and where it's being spent. Um, so, so I, I hope that people are seeing that stuff and, and responding to it. Cause I think that's really easy to process and kind of it's out there for yeah. sure. And just understanding what it would feel like to have that presence in your neighborhood all the time, you yeah, know, I, and like I, no. what that does. I think that's the hardest thing to relate to, um, the, the daily life portion of it. Um, yeah. I don't think that again, like I've, you know, I've never experienced that obviously. Um, but I think that is the hardest thing for people to understand because if it's, if it doesn't happen to you, it's very hard to imagine that happening to anyone. That's just, yeah. a, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think when you live in New York, you hear a lot about stop and frisk. That's a big issue here. Um, and that's something you will actually physically see, um, you know, especially in the subways or whatever. So that, that is a little, uh, obviously that's the same thing in some ways, but that, that issue seems a little bit more prevalent because you physically see it. Um, but and what do, is that? I mean, like, what is that? How do we have that policy? It's crazy. No, it's, it's, I mean, it's literally, no, it is. Yeah. It's, I mean, you're right. There's no other way to put it. It's fucking crazy. But yeah. like it, it, I guess I think about it personally because it's like, you know, I used to do a lot of drugs. I would always have fucking drugs on me. You, you know what yeah. I mean? And I'm like, I'm, it's, you know, and you would think about getting stopped and then you realize like, oh, they're not going to stop me. Why? I'm just, I'm walking down the street. Why would anybody stop me? You know? And I, and yeah. I think, I think that that is the true definition of, of white privilege in, in this case. Um, yep. and, and what that means. But, but I think that, um, these policies are just, I mean, you know, they're, they're very old and they're, and they're, they're, um, you know, there's people in power that believe in them and that's going to be the hardest thing to, to get past. Yeah, where it and it threatens their very it, it threatens the sanctity of their life and their future security in a way that's like that's so profoundly and deeply held. And it's this idea of like I if I can, I can control the world through my privilege, and if I give that up, then I then my future is uncertain. And that is a really big leap for people. But and you're, that's and, where and, we're at. And they're okay with other people's lives staying uncertain totally. as long as yours is not affected. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I think the, the real, I mean, you know, we, we, we're very selfish as people um, in this country. And, you know, you don't want anything to affect your, you know, outlook or your, your day-to-day life. Um, and, you know, we're all guilty of that. That's a, that's a you know, that's, that's a hard thing to avoid. Um, but I, I just, the quality portion of it is very, is interesting, you know, um, like really just not being okay with that is, is really strange to me personally. Yeah, totally. Uh, You know, just being like, no, that's not, you know, that's not going to work. Um, that, that part is, is, is odd. Um, and, and it's, it's alarming how many people feel that, you know, people with darker skin don't deserve a seat at the table. Of mm-hmm. everybody else is, you know, whatever, what, you know, there, there's no reason why they should honestly feel that way right. unless they are, you know, their, their heart is full of hate for some reason. Or I, they just have this idea that like affirmative action, which is completely toothless, mm-hmm. um, 
has accomplished equality or that it's a meritocracy because look at these kids who grew up in, you know, South yeah. Central LA who made it to Harvard. Like yeah. those, they take those people and turn them into that are extreme exceptions and then make them poster children for mm. what is possible. And it's like, well, like, did you have to, you know, and it's also sort of the cutting the line mentality of like, these people are, I've been in line, like I'm in line, they should get in line. And it's like, mm. well, who's what bodies did you have to crawl over to get in line you know it's just it's well that's just going to require discomfort that that kind of well that's something that i wanted to talk to you about specifically was that that type of representation of Mm -hmm. of people and 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 what you guys or you know what ideas you guys have for you know how that type of representation can be improved because there there has been a lot of you know great improvement for that leaps and bounds and every commercial and subway ad and every, you know, whatever bra company ad on my Instagram page has good representation of all races, but you can kind of tell when a brand is doing it because they think it's the right thing to do versus it being something that they actually want to do or are just doing without even thinking about it. And I think that's like the next plateau that we have to overcome is, is when you can tell, that it's being done not because they want to, but just because it's a good business idea or their cultural officer told them, you know, you guys need an obese person and an Asian guy and a token black person. Exactly. Yeah. Or or the tokenism, like moving past tokenism to two. It's, Mm. um, you know, I think that we are living in a time of increased transparency across the board. Right. And Mm -hmm. it's, it is, wonderful and and scary at the same time i mean and and obviously in the age of social media when people can see things um and put out bad fake information right like there's just unprecedented times and i think people really want transparency and truth and the information so they can make up their own minds and i think that what we'll see from businesses and this is something that we think about and talk about all the time and we are not done with the work Mm -hmm. at goop um is publishing diversity numbers openly. So, you know, the bra company, like what do their diversity numbers look like in terms of their hiring? Mm -hmm. Um, And is it just, you know, parked in HR or is this a major company priority and objective? Mm -hmm. Um, And for us it is, and we still have so much work to do, but like wellness again, like this isn't, this cannot be for the affluent. These, this is about like access to clean water, access to good whole food, mm-hmm. um, trauma work, and so that we're not taking our pain and projecting it onto future generations. And it's a, about environmental health. And these are acutely tied to race and access and privilege. And so we, you know, we also make like beautiful clothing and skin cream. It's, it's hard to stitch it all together and it's messy, but like, we're just, we're trying, um, Mm -hmm. in an ongoing way and trying to hold ourselves accountable. And, um, but, but you have, we have to do the work along with everyone else. It's not going to happen in a day, but that's the point. It's not going to be, it's not going to be satisfied by a donation to black lives matter and a black square, it has to be a different way of moving forward and a different Mm -hmm. sensibility and a different 
way of thinking. It has to be built into the fiber of our companies and brands and millennials um, and future generations are going to demand it because if we're not there, we're almost at a point, I think in this generation where white people will become the minority in this country. Mm -hmm. And another thing that I think is terrifying to white people and why we cling so desperately, like we're not, we're not going to be the majority really soon. Um, and so if your business doesn't reflect that, then you have no business, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, do you, have you, have you found it? I mean, is it these last couple of months, I'm sure have been challenging. Um, but you know, I think this week, especially it's like, does, what, what do you, you know, what do you, what is your opinion on what the move is? Is it, is it, obviously it's not business as usual. Um, you know, but, but I think that there's a lot of people that are, are, uh, very confused about what to do. do you, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, what, what do I, do I say anything? Do I not say anything? Um, do I push things off? Do I, you know what I mean? Like what, what, uh, and I think there's a lot to be talked about there. I don't know what, yeah. what you, you, I'm sure you guys have had some serious talks about it all. Yeah. So I think silence is never the answer. And mm-hmm. I think a big part of this is a, going to require a willingness to get uncomfortable and to have hard conversations, to look mm-hmm. with your family, with your friends to dig deep and evaluate your own biases. I mean, there are tons of incredible books. I think for white people, the best book to start with is White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo. And it's sold out, but it's worth the wait. She is a white woman in the Pacific Northwest. He's been a race educator for decades. And it is, it is a hard read and it is an essential read, but I would start there. Um, and then move on to something like Layla Saad's Me and White Supremacy, which is a book that you do. You don't just read. It's short book, short chapters. And the idea is that you look at everything from uh, the way, you know, as she posted something on Instagram that was like staggering this morning. Um, it's her six-year-old son's birthday. She's a, a black Muslim woman who lives in Qatar and it's her six-year-old's birthday. And she's like, I'm not going to post a picture of my six-year-old son so that you all can say how adorable and cute he is. And then when he grows up, you'll all be scared of him. Um, and But her book is like, and it, it's great because it gets into white centering, white saviorism, appropriation, these things that I think a lot of us participate in um, all the time, daily. And like appropriation is something that we've had to look at really hard and think about at Goop because we've certainly fucked up. Um, most, mm-hmm. a lot of wellness is appropriated from other cultures, from Native Americans, from uh, many, you know, from China, mm-hmm. like pretty much every Asian, South Asian country, India, et cetera. So, um, well, I didn't even I didn't even think about that, and that's so obvious, though. Yeah, like wellness specifically, like all, all you know, you're right. A lot of that stuff is like rooted in, it's in Eastern, in yeah, Native American. It's in South American. It's not. It's not white, and mm-hmm. so we bring a lot of like you know lab science to it around longevity and stuff like that. But a lot of the traditions are not ours. Um, white people are good at branding, though. We are really good at branding, that's for <laughs> that, sure. And like that, these, that's our number one thing after racism. We're really good at it. <laughs> exactly. And then taking it's funny, we're really good at branding appropriation, like from mm-hmm. black culture. I mean, that's like all 
and mm-hmm. from black music and it's it's really deep and um so yeah so that's where i think people need to start it can be overwhelming but i think it starts with you know talking to, it starts with yourself like talking thinking about yourself examining your own biases and your privilege talking to your family dealing with your family and yourself mm-hmm. and then you're in a I've, better position to change the you know the bring family, it out into community the family thing is really going to come up because this is not you know this is such a big issue it's, it's it would be impossible to not discuss you know, like, I think that even if you don't have that sort of, um, oh, that sort of like open communication with your family, um, I, I find, I would find it hard to believe that if you're talking to them right now, this can be avoided. Um, yeah. you know, I'm about to go see my family, I'm leaving tomorrow to go, uh, to see my family in Atlanta. And I'm, I'm, uh, I know that that stuff is going to happen. I, I'm, 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 pretty sure my parents will, will fall on the right side of history, you know? Um, yeah. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't talk about it. Um, yeah. Because if, if you're going to talk about politics in general, I would say this is more important. Um, in, in some, I mean, obviously it's political, but I mean, you know, people discuss the president with their parents of, or whatever. Yeah, it's kind of not. Like, that's the thing. They've, it's become a political issue. And like when we published our newsletter yesterday, we got, you know, there were certainly readers who were like, I don't want care about politics. I'm like, this is not about yeah, politics. This is point. about hum, human rights. And equality and um no but it's it's i think it's a subtle point because i think that right now we're in this we're also in a like in this identity politics war and people are so attached and so binary about that that they can't see the subtlety they can't see like oh i can care i can be a republican and claim you know to care about fiscal responsibility and small government. And I can also see that this is a major human rights issue and, um, and I can be both. So, well, that's, I mean, I guess that's what I mean then. It's like, it's been politicized, you know, and I think that maybe, maybe you're right. That's the issue. It's like, I don't think that, um, yeah, the, the, I don't think any political party values include racism (laughs) or they they shouldn't, they shouldn't, but they shouldn't. And that's what's happening. At least not yeah. publicly, but but I think that you're right. I think that that is something that people could separate. I mean, that's what was happening with COVID too. It was becoming political. It's like, guys, it's a fucking virus. Like, it's not. Yeah. This isn't. This isn't a right or left issue. This is a like. This literally affects everyone. Um, and and I think that that this issue is the same thing. This doesn't like your your party shouldn't have a say in this. Yeah, but unfortunately, it is political in the sense that we know where a lot of these policies come from. Although, although Democrats are not, we have blood on our hands for sure. So it's not like we saw, we, we didn't mop this all up even, you know, with Obama in eight years, like we, there's, it's so deep and so entrenched um, that, uh, and, and, and it, it speaks to it that like so many people, vast majority of people are like, I don't even know what's happening. I lack the language. I don't understand the context. I don't know why I'm being, you know, yelled at for asking questions. Um, we're just so behind, like so behind. It's like time that we catch up, you know? I mean, people are fucking mad, you know, people are fucking mad. And I think a lot of this stuff is is going on on the internet where, where people are really mad, (laughs) extra mad. Um, and, and I, 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 and especially if, I mean, it's more going on the internet more than it normally would be because we're, we're stuck in our houses. So it's a, it's a really, it's an interesting time to try to educate yourself on something 
that requires, you know, conversation, uh, after reading. Um, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a tough time. You can't really, you know, some of this stuff doesn't translate well to, to Twitter or an Instagram story. It's, it's, it's like you said, it's just deeper than that. And it's yeah. hard, it's hard to form a community when there is a military curfew in place. Well. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Being home yeah. at 6 p.m. kind of kills the whole community thing. So um, does COVID. I mean, like, what a time when we all need to be able to come together. And it's like, Jesus, like, now we have to solve this, like, stranded in our homes, you know? Well, well what I'm, I mean, that's the, another thing that, that I feel like is happening. It's like, you know, obviously COVID is still, still in our minds, but it feels like that shit is kind of canceled. COVID, is, like, not, COVID is not in our minds. COVID is done. I, yeah. I mean, COVID is done, but the pop, like we still can't go about our business. So it's it's part of our lives, at least. Let's put it that way, you know. Yeah. And I think that that is it's 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 just kind of incredible. It's honestly it's it's truly incredible that all this is happening at one time, and the gravity and magnitude of all of it is is like staggering. I know. We we wait. We might as well take you know clean it all up at the same time while we're at it. I mean, no, there's no choice. That's the thing. I don't think there's much of a choice, you know. What well, do you, and, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, please, please. No, but that's that's what I think. And, and now this has obviously been fueled, but, you know, during COVID and understanding that how much, you know, pain and suffering it was causing to, and, and being in a place of privilege where I'm, I still have my job and I haven't, I haven't taken, I haven't gotten a real pay cut, um, that there are people across the country and world who are really struggling. And I would maintain that a vast majority of those people were struggling before mm-hmm. or on the line before. And so, you know, I think that COVID and this, this pause, the COVID pause and now what's happening in our streets, it's all, we can't have it be for naught. Like we are being given an opportunity. Like we have been brought to our knees yeah. and I, this is maybe an unpopular thing to say, but when Trump was elected, my feeling about him was that he's an, a, a dangerous and unconscious martyr, but that his role here is exposing to us everything that we didn't want to see or face, but that has always been there. Mm-hmm. And that we, he is holding up a mirror. He's giving us a horrendous facial and it is like holy shit look at all of the stuff that we've suppressed and that's been there right like existing on our on our skin Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it is our chance this is our chance like we are he has brought us to our knees and how do we clean this up and build a different structure and a different Mm -hmm. system and i really hope that we have the leadership we need in november to help us and that people are ready to do that work because otherwise we're going to end up in the same place or worse in the not too distant future. Um, But it is an opportunity. It's terrifying, but we are being turned inside out and it's a chance. Like we have a chance here to really evaluate all of these systems and to completely try something new. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's a very positive way to look at it and it actually makes me feel better to think of it that way. Um, and we all I, have the time and we're yeah, able, we, we're able to do all of that while, you know, paying, paying our rent from unemployment checks. So let's, um, you know, let's f- take full advantage of this time. Yeah. I let's mean, not have it be a waste, you know? Yeah, no, no, I mean, you're right. I think that, 
I think that um, purpose is is always good. So I think that if, if if it's looked at that way, then then it could be positive for everyone. And I mean, I think that the the shit yesterday. I mean, the the Trumpito, the speech, and the the Bible holding and shit. Oh my god! It's just like, I mean, it's so insane that it's like comedic and scary at the same time like watching him hold a book like he's never held one before is is <laughs> i mean it was incredible it's monumental but like what it took to get there is terrible but i i just think that people are there's just no i, I mean there's nothing leading us you know there's no there's no one that, that is like kind of speaking to the country in a way that, that we need to hear um and i i don't know if there is anyone that can right now yeah. I mean, my hope of I I hope that Biden announces his vice president pick soon and I think he was I don't know what I don't know much about like how how campaigns are run, but I'm I'm sure he's being really thoughtful and I hope that he is ready to come out and offer, you know, he did yesterday and sort of condemning Trump, but like that he is ready to come out swinging and to offer the sort of leadership and a plan for a rebuild that we need and that can get people on both sides excited. Mm -hmm. Do you you realistically think anyone can beat Trump? Yes. (laughs) Who do you, uh, who do you think Biden is going to pick for VP? I mean, it seems like he probably, um, he, he said that he was going to have a woman yeah be vice president right yeah i mean i would like to see him pick kamala or stacy abrams mm-hmm. um i think this is but this is it's like the world changes every you know a month oh, yeah. ago it would have been like elizabeth warren would be great mm-hmm. at at like and and i think he, she needs to go in the cabinet but i don't know i mean i think that's why he hasn't announced yet because it's like wh- what it's still really hard to understand it's what always we changing need yeah Five but years no, ago, he I, could have said Ghislaine Maxwell, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then he would have had egg on his face. <laughs> life comes at you fast. Um, oh, life, my God. Life comes at you <laughs> that fast. Is, that is a fucking crazy documentary. Um, I actually thought – I actually – I haven't finished it yet. We talked about this. Jason and I talked about this a little bit. I thought it was kind of like really dark and depressing but not really much new information. That's true. Well – yeah, I, I wanted a little more. I wanted a little more star power for lack for lack of a better term. I just feel like they couldn't do it, but they sort of essentially were like, "Here is everyone who's been in his company," and it's like a list of known monsters. So, I mean, the fact though, the fact that's what I'm saying. The fact that this guy is dead and you still can't say the real shit in documentary is is pretty wild to think about. Yeah. But I mean, I've heard theories that, that that ring and the whole thing they were involved in is much bigger than them. And, and it's still going on with different people at the helm. Like it, I'm it's, sure. it's not going to go away just because he's dead. No, I think like that sort of activity, again, like traumatize people traumatize. I think that there is, and, and that's another area that we have really like the trafficking of children and pedophilia and like another area where we just cannot talk about it. And so Mm -hmm. these things are sublimated and then people who are abused, abused, it's that we all know this and yet we don't have We sweep it under the rug to make our, to make our day to day life easier. I mean, no one wants to, I mean that, that kind of, I mean like I, I did, I guess though, I I take that back because I did learn 
I didn't realize he was going into basically like city neighborhoods in near his gigantic palatial estate and recruiting. Like I didn't yeah. fully understand that part of it. And then obviously these, these young girls don't know the difference and like, you know, do it because they want the money. I didn't fully realize that. And that is extra bad. Like that's yeah. extra, that's like extra hard to, to deal with, you know, because yeah. it's like no one makes good decisions at 15 years old. We're all idiots, you know? And, 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 and I think that like preying on that is really dark. Like that's, it, that's as yeah. low as it goes. You know, that's as low as it goes. Also just like how complicated those things are because for, for women in particular and girls, because in some, you know, you're desperate for attention and you're desperate to be noticed and to be picked and to be found special and attractive and all of those things. And then you feel complicit and like you created this for yourself. So, and you saw a lot of that in their testimony, like yeah. trying to separate themselves from who they were as a, a child and have compassion for themselves. And the fact that they were then recruiting others and it's just like, it's terrible. And, but we don't socially, like we don't, we lack the the tools for that. And, um, Oh God. You know, they really, but, they, they really could have held on to that one. You know what I mean? I feel like that. I feel like that shit could have been put out after I, I don't, that's not what we needed right now. That's just yeah. not that we all watched it of course, because it's, it's compelling. I mean that, that, that case and him in general, I mean, it's, it is, it's just straight into my veins. I, I can't get enough. It's just so depraved and so crazy. And I, yeah. I just feel like there's, I feel like we'll never get the full story, which I think keeps people compelled. Totally. And I mean, by all the people by association, including Trump and Woody Allen and Clinton and like all of those people, like what is the truth? You know, I think we're at this point in the culture where we're like enough, like we need the truth and then we can make up our own minds. But absent that it's, it is like a deep itch to know what the fuck is going on. Um, luckily I was able to, luckily I was able to cut it with, um, selling sunset season two. Uh, so I was, you know, I was able to, I was, I was able to get, we all have our a, own versions of, of meditation and self. You guys are yeah. all just, just numbing. Just you numbing. guys can, you guys can worry about all this. Yeah. This, this acupuncture and shit. I'm going to just, you know, selling sunset is, is my namaste, if you will. Um, but I, I, I think that that is like, I mean, the need to, the the need to like see something that is not depressing is kind of what wellness means now, like in this moment. Yeah. Um, I think it's like, I don't think obviously that doesn't mean ignore or, or suppress, but I, I do think that it's like, we're looking at the news all day and it's all bad. And we're, we're looking inward to see what we can do and how we can process this. But I, I mean, it's, it's, it's crushing. You know, it yeah. really is like on the psyche, at least. No, it is, and it's it's one of those. And I think we're all we're all getting that lesson. And in, in yeah, what does wellness even mean? Because it's obviously it's a concept that's been co opted, you know, by products or tools and all of the stuff that you need to consume. But the reality is, it's like wellness is like how how is your body? How do you feel in your body? What's your state of mind? And I think as we go through this. Um, whole experience from COVID to the protest, et cetera, it's, it's taking that time to tune in. It's really, it's like, where am I? How am I doing? I mean, I've been in bed for, I got out of bed to call you guys, but I just crashed and we, we gave everyone the day off today. It's, 
because it's exhaust it is not sustainable. And you can also say, well, there are people who have to engage in this fight every single day. And so mm-hmm. yeah. again, there's privilege, but it, it, you, people have to take breaks. They need to, it's it, tuning into the news all day is truly terrible for us. Um, looking at it once a day, using the rest of the time to like re- recharge so you can engage in a meaningful way and not just like, like this weekend, it's just, I was watching CNN. I was on social. I was frantically posting and reacting and it's not helpful. You know, I don't think we're giving ourselves. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think you're right. I think that approaching it with uh, in that manic way is not going to be good for anyone. You know, and yeah. I think it is, it is, it's a lot to take in because it's all bad. <laughs> like it's exactly. just all, it's all fucking bad. And like you said, of course it's a privilege to take a break and, and, and no one would deny that. But I do think that it's, um, but everyone needs to. Yeah, like, no, of course. We're, yeah, we're in like the, the acute part of a crisis. And, but this is a chronic disease. And we, so it's, people can't just get through this next week or however long. I mean, I'm obviously, I'm like everyone worried this is going to escalate in a very awful way. Um, but we have to be sustained. Like this is a practice. This is like engage restore engage restore it's mm-hmm. a polarity you know it's like yeah. it it can't just be uh you gotta we we have to eat we have to move our bodies we have to talk we have to feel our feelings and then continue to go and engage and do that process again i mean as a person who's who's um some would say uh too logged on um this is <laughs> this is this is truly the first time where i've been like damn this is too much like this is yeah. just this is just too much, but I can't stop. I can't. I can't, it's 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 compulsive, you know. Well, it, it took this new world order to get you to take a break from Twitter. At least something good is happening, Chris. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the fun. The silver lining is is that. Uh, but <laughs> as I as I'm leaving tomorrow on this road trip, so I won't be able to to be using my phone, you know, for hours a day uh, as I drive. So I'm hoping to, um, you know download some of these texts that you've suggested and take it in via audible or something mm-hmm. so that, so that I'm using the time wisely versus, um, worrying yeah, about what's going on. on That's true. They can't, I mean, I'm not a big audio. I've never used, or I've never read or listened to an audio book in my life. Um, you're about to I, get real acquainted with it as you drive I, across America, my friend. I know. I think, I think it's time that I, <laughs> time that I use the service. Cause I, I do think it's like the most, uh, podcasts, I mean, no offense to our own medium, but I just, I can only take so much. Um, so I, I feel like a, a book is, is a better, you're, you're not a Kindle person, Elise? No, I like physical books. You know, I'm not totally surprised by that. I like them too. I have a giant collection of them, but I feel like the Kindle is just a vital part of my life because when you yeah. travel and travel a lot, I just can't take three paperbacks with me in, in, in the tote bag. Totally. No, it's fair. I just like, I just, I like to write in books. I like to turn corners. I don't know. It's just hard for me to do She's that. She's a tangible girl. I'm a tangible girl. Yeah. I love the, look, we all love the feeling of some paper, the smell, you know, I understand. Um, oh, wow. That was a, um, that was a serious conversation, guys. I know, but serious well, time. Yeah. We, is, exactly. We're going to, we're going to have to get used to it, Chris. I know. No, it's this is this is our new reality. Um, 
Elise, uh, thank you so much for joining us. This was really, really um, insightful, and I was—I'm happy to talk. I'm a, obviously we didn't touch up, but I'm a huge fan of, fan of the platform. Um, <laughs> thank you. And, and um, he's my I'll goop spend, girl. I'll save my—I'll <laughs> save my story about getting a B12 shot in my ass at the goop conference in New York for another time. Um, but <laughs> yeah, we'll it was, do it again. It was one of the highlights of my young life. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got to see I got to see Gwyneth and get a B twelve shot in the same afternoon. You know, some we can we can dream. You know, we can dream. Somebody pinch um, me. Exactly. Uh but but honestly, thank you for your time and, and thank, thank you for your you. insight. Um and, and if you could tell people where they can find you online, um that'd yeah. be great. Um I am on Instagram, Elise Lunan. And then I obviously I work at Goop and I co-host the Goop podcast with Gwyneth and we've had a lot of the people we talked about today like Robin D'Angelo who wrote White Fragility, Layla Saad who wrote Me and White Supremacy, Harriet Washington who wrote a book about environmental racism. They've all been on the podcast. Um, Brian Stevenson uh, who wrote Just Mercy from the Equal Justice Initiative. So tune in and um damn we need to step our game up after you yeah gave that laundry list of of intelligent well 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 you just you just we have a few comedians and like a handful of writers (laughs) we had a guy who started a t-shirt line a while ago (laughs) and it's doing pretty good on instagram thanks for putting us in our place elise it's we we need it sometimes um all right well look you have inspired us yeah you really have honestly um (laughs) Have a, have a wonderful afternoon, and um, yeah, we'll definitely have you back. Thanks again. Thank you. All right, bye. Bye, guys.